0: Welcome to the Just Plain Mental Podcast. We're in a new home at Balance Better in Akron, Ohio. You can find us at OHIObalance.com. But some things remain the same. I'm still not okay and neither are you, but hopefully we're still working at getting a little better. I'm still Tom and still your host and still going to be as plainly and at times brutally honest as possible. To that end, we'll use all kinds of words, even nasty ones, when they best fit the topic But I will happily provide a version without those words for those with a more sensitive constitution or ears. I promise to lie to you without remorse about anyone we've met professionally to protect their privacy and will forever endeavor to do so. As always, this podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests of the show and not their places of business. The content here should not be taken as professional advice, it's here for your information. People are entirely too complex and unique, so you must consult a live healthcare professional for any questions that may arise. We make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, and to that end, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. There will be errors. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Hope you hear something worth your time, meaning it actually serves some purpose in your life. So let's see what happens. Let's talk about death, baby. (laughs) Ugh, it'll happen to you and me. I don't know why I'm so compelled to start this podcast stuff with death. Uh, But I also don't know what it is about our society and our inability to recognize and discuss that we're all coming to an end. It seems like every commercial is subtly hinting that you're already decaying, but you know if you just take their vitamins or eat enough fiber or hug the right crystals, everything is going to be alright. None of that is true. I've always said that I'm never going to win the lottery because, well, unless it's like $400 billion, I don't play the lottery. I really don't need to play the lottery because in more ways than not, I hit the big one right from the get-go. It's amazing being a counselor how often you learn that not all family is that supportive, there-for-you kind of experience for so many people. And I just got so lucky to have two parents who were both interested in my well-being. Sometimes, or well, oftentimes more than their own. That should be standard issue, and it just isn't. And I'm not sure why I got lucky. I'm at the age now where I've known a lot of people who aren't here anymore, and I've come to learn both through some personal grief, and also from those who are struggling to find their way through their own losses, that every single person who dies leaves a different sized hole in your life, and your soul, and your day, and your tomorrow. Well, struggle is not a bad thing after the death of someone you care about, and the more you care, more struggle usually makes sense. I think I've seen so many people struggle so much more than they probably had to after significant losses. It doesn't even have to be significant, because we seem to feel this need to hide our grief, to tunnel under and just sink in it into some kind of oblivion. It's just something we don't really talk about or share or do together. It easily... My worst personal experience was amidst planning to go on a cruise and ending up instead in the hospital with my dad, uh, where some scan showed something and daddy always hated hospitals and popped in with a, once they get you in there, they never let you go. My doctor said, oh, no, 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 no. We'll figure it out. Uh, Whatever it is, you'll go on the cruise. We'll take care of it when you get back. It wasn't intentional, but it certainly was a lie. Uh, the next day when my mom called and said, you need to get down here, uh, she had shown up and found a stripped bed. And was told he may have had a stroke in the middle of the night and was down getting tested. Uh, that started, ugh, a long stretch of cardiac ICU to ICU to rehab, back to cardiac ICU, and on and on, and eventually to hospice. Which is a terrible fucking place to be. But if you find yourself there, there's probably nowhere better. Uh, I told you I won the lottery. And while there's no way in the space of this I could ever explain to you what we lost in those days, I will always come back to the moment when we were playing ping pong in the basement. And my dad uh, asked me, you know, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? And I didn't really want to say out loud. I didn't know if I was passing English or not. Uh, So I might still be in high school in the near future. I just kind of shrugged and said, I don't know. And he said, well, there's something I want you to know. Uh, I have a fair idea of what my IQ is. I know he easily would have blown me out of the water. But because of when he grew up and where he grew up and circumstances, school just wasn't an option for him. Uh, He dropped out super early to help feed the family. Uh, He joined the Navy in World War II, I don't think because he was a super American hero as much as it was a steady check and partially American hero. Hmm. I always thought his job was kind of cool, he seemed to be like in charge of some parts of this galvanizing plant in Youngstown, where they're rolling out all the guardrail and things had to be done to his specifications. But it was that day at the ping pong table, he told me that he saw people who couldn't do a quarter of what he did advance past him because they had a piece of paper and he didn't. And that wasn't the life that he wanted for me. And when I was born, he opened a bank account and started squirreling away whatever extra he could come up with on the offhand chance that if I wasn't a complete moron and I wanted to go to college, he would be able to help out. That's my dad. Uh, He could have slept through probably any program in the country and come out aces, and instead he worked and busted his ass, and worked and worked for the future of his lazy, disinterested ingrate of a son. And over months, all that ceased to exist in my life. Probably the worst part of it was I never understood a thing that he said after the stroke. He tried and tried, uh, but none of it made any sense. And I, I hope and pray that he understood what we were saying to him, but I don't know. Uh, I really wish I had said a lot of things a lot more frequently before then. Uh, there have been a lot of holes in my life before this, but this one was rough. Uh, and sometimes it came out of nowhere. I still remember I was driving to Kent State to teach a class... Uh, it had been months and months and I'm cruising up, uh, the road past Burger King and some stupid song comes on the radio that has nothing to do with him. And I started crying like a baby. I had to pull into Burger King cause I couldn't see straight. Oh, uh, I'm kind of shocked by that. But when I think about it, he's the kind of guy who still to this day I miss and who had earned Tears being shed whenever, however, why ever, who cares? And yes, I was a mess. And if you know me well enough, I'm probably still kind of a mess. And I've been stitching things back together around that huge hole. And it took time and it took weirdness. I think since then, I've been aware, more aware of people who are grieving. And there are a couple of things I think maybe be some benefit to someone somewhere in the future, I hope. The first one is, you know everyone is going to talk about the stages of grief. It's worth it to know that one of them is anger. And I've had quite a few folks tell me that they're upset uh, and bothered because they went to the hospital to be there for somebody who has gotten some terrible news. And that person gave them a ration of shit that they didn't deserve. And they're like... I don't know why they were so angry with me. And if I can get you to see that what could very well really be going on is that they're not mad at you. They're mad at everything. Confused, scared, lashing out at the world or God or whatever else they see behind what's happening to them. And somehow you are the person they feel safe enough to express that to and believe that you will not only understand but that you'll come back and still be there for them. That should be something you could wear as a badge of honor. Just saying. The other thing is that I think people are going to have all kinds of ideas about how you should grieve. Oh, you cry too much. You should get over this. Uh, You need to cry more. If this happens to you, my hope is that you can very sweetly look folks in the eye and say, Hey, I heard this... A counselor guy once and he said that this would happen to me and he just wanted me to tell you, fuck you. Here's Uncle Tom's tips for dealing with loss. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, do whatever you have to do to rebuild your life around that hole. The first part is as big a deal as the second. Not hurting yourself or anyone else. And then do whatever you have to do. And everyone else will have to figure out their own path. So that leaves us with the holy crap what to do when someone that you love is struggling and some of the dumbest things I've ever heard said have been said at funerals. Oh, you're lucky they went so fast. (laughs) Or everything's going to be okay. Or I know just how you feel. I get it. Someone you care about is suffering and you want to make them feel better. What I think is probably true is that words do not exist that are going to make them feel better. Especially if they lost someone important to them. And all there is is to be there to lift some of the burden of life as they're reorganizing and sit in the misery with them. So what do you do after that? Uh, Probably surprise some people, but the church we were going to when my Mother Teresa, saint of a grandma, died uh, did some peculiar thing, uh, the Sunday, somewhere around New Year's, uh, where they had this little basket with little rocks in it. And I said, if you lost someone over the last year, come up and get a rock. And every time you reach in your pocket to get your keys or whatever you're after, when you find the rock, it'll literally be that little touchstone, that reminder. And so I took one for Jane Job. And when I was helping my mom cleaning up some stuff after my dad was gone, in the top drawer of his dresser in the back left-hand corner was this little white rock. She had no idea where it came from or why it was in there, and I asked if I could have it. And I still honestly believe that if in any day I can be half of either Jane Job or John Newman, I've done more than pretty well. And neither of these rocks has left my pocket since then, an ongoing constant reminder of how lucky I was, and because of that, a lot of who I should be. I guess I hope I grieve till I die. Um, We'll see what happens after. If there's someone who is in your life, what of them do you want to continue to carry into the rest of the world? And if you're fortunate enough to have people in your life that you love, Make sure they know that today. Uh, Because someday it may be hard to tell them. Thanks. Bye. Well, that was fun. Uh, There's really nothing else to say but thanks. Uh, I know how valuable your time is and absolutely appreciate your sharing some with us here. Uh, check us out at ohiobalance.com, and remember, if your day or your month or at this point the entire decade is going to be mental, it might be worth keeping it just plain mental. Thanks again. Bye. Okay, so I just listen to this, and I want to make sure I get this straight. Uh, the first two little recordings I did just by myself were both about death And I hate the sound of my voice. And I can't carry a tune, but I sang in both of them. Might be time for me to make an appointment.